Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid, and all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Is this a Shrek reference? Well, I mean, the set is very Shrekish. <laughs> that trailer is the most Shrek thing Magic has ever made. And yeah, that's definitely the top comment on there, too. What's up, everybody? You are watching Slash Listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yes, Throne of Eldraine is here. It's been fully spoiled. Actually, it's not technically here probably when you're watching this. It's right. almost here. Very, very close. Yeah, so we did our last episode was just uh, examination and evaluation of all the new legendary creatures. And this episode, we're going to talk about all the cards that can go in your 99. And there are a lot of them. So we're going to jump right into it. But before we do, if you're looking to pick up any of these cards, buffer up your deck, make your play experience a little bit more adventurous, make sure you head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. All you have to do is enter that URL into your browser and boom, you're on the website. You buy cards. You can order sealed products, singles, whatever you want, and you're directly supporting the show that way. And we can't thank you enough. Yeah, and another way to support the show is by supporting Ultra Pro. And every time a new set comes out, Ultra Pro comes out with all the accoutrement that goes with it. We're talking playmats, yeah. deck boxes, yeah. sleeves. Yeah. You can really theme out any new deck that you build to, to really match so that your battlefield looks as cool as possible. And of course, it keeps all of your stuff protected because Ultra Pro does make the best stuff. And the final way to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can join our Patreon, talk to Jimmy and I on Discord, see game nights earlier than everybody else. Game Nights is, uh, I think it's coming out in a few days from the time you're hearing wow. this. And so, yeah, maybe it's like early or middle of next week when you're, we're not sure exactly when this is going to release, but <laughs> the patrons, regardless, will get to see it a day early than everybody else. So uh, again, patreon.com slash command zone. And of course, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to JT McDonald. JT. You rock. Yes, it's MacDonald, not MacDonald. Yeah. yeah. He probably's got that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should probably start a petition, too, to have Ultra Pro make some Shrek-themed playmats. That would be sweet, actually. I want the donkey one. Yeah. <laughs> donkey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, we should say, this set's a little bit weird because... There were the Brawl Precons that came out. Yes. Of course, hopefully you watched all of our upgrade videos for that. So we are going to throw in the non-commander cards that are in the Brawl Precons that aren't in the regular sets. Set. Yeah, so they're like Arcane Signet is the big one everyone's talking about, which we will, of course, talk about. We're going to talk about cards like that just within the bulk of this set review, even though you won't be able to find some of these cards in booster packs. Um, we'll try to make note of that when that's the case. And if you're looking for legendary creatures, go to our other set review. This yeah. is all about the non-legendaries. Okay, let's start out by talking about the mechanics in the set. There are only a couple of new ones, and then there are some themes I guess we'll touch on too. So the first one is adventure. Yeah, so you've probably seen these weird-looking card frames around where the bottom half is split into two parts, almost like a book. Yeah. And there's an additional spell on the bottom left side. So the way that these cards work is that they, again, have a two ways to cast them, like split cards and other things in the past. If you cast the adventure side, you basically do the mana cost and what it says in the bottom left of the card, and then that card resolves the effect happens and that card goes on an adventure so it gets exiled outside of the play area and then if you ever want to cast the actual card you can for just paying its regular cost in the top right 
uh, at any regular time you could cast that card. So if it's a creature, you need to cast it. Sorcery speed, and boom. Enters the battlefield, and you have a card that you essentially use twice. But if you don't want to use the adventure, you can also just cast the card for normal. Yeah, I kind of look at it like the inverse of Enter the Battlefield. Mm -hmm. Whereas like on Enter the Battlefield, you cast the creature and then you get a, usually an instant or sorcery-like effect. Right. On this one, you cast the instant or sorcery part first, and then later you can cast the creature half. I think all the adventures are on creatures, or at least most of them definitely are. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah, so you get an instant or sorcery type effect, and then later you pay the rest of the mana, and then the creature comes in without the instant or sorcery effect, right? Because yeah. you already got it. It's interesting to me that they also named the adventure side. So like, let's read Ardenvale Tactician. It's mm -hmm. one white white for a 2-3 with flying. But it has an adventure side, which is called Dizzying Swoop. And if you pay one in a white, then you can cast the adventure side. And it's an instant. And it says tap up to two target creatures. And then you exile this spell and you can cast it from later from exile. Yep. So... It's like Dizzying it Swoop, yeah, yeah, is like a card on its own with its own name even. And then it does taps two creatures and then, you know, you can cast it as a creature. So I can't imagine how hard it is going to be to look these up online. Yeah, what if I type in Dizzying Swoop? Will <laughs> is that it going to, yeah, bring up the tactician? I have no idea. Uh, also, look, like, what if you... Does that mean if you like meddling mage or you, one of those name a card cards? Oh, you can't... Maybe if you, you name Ardenvale Tactician, can I still use the Dizzying Swoop side of it? Eli. Uh, we got to ask judges on that one. I'm not, not... Yeah, we're definitely not qualified to answer that question. No. I'm barely qualified to ask it. I am qualified to say, though, that we aren't really going to talk about adventure cards in this. I think this is more for standard and limited, and they don't have as much appeal for Commander. Uh, the one thing I'll say is that if you can bounce the creature, yes. then you can reuse the instant sorcery side uh, over and over. So that interaction may come up. Something like Chew Lane or another mm -hmm. commander that allows you to bounce creatures back to your hand. Uh, that may be useful. We don't know. But yeah, there's not a bunch of adventure cards we're going to talk about because they're pretty narrow if they are usable. Yeah. But the flavor is on <clears throat> point. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. that's When you do, you say, I'm going to... This creature is going to go on an adventure is usually how we say it when we play it. Yep. Okay. Um, the next mechanic? Adamant. So Adamant is basically looking towards uh, what color of mana you're using to spend uh, in order to cast a creature. So if a creature is two and a black and you spend black, black, black to cast it, it'll usually have an additional effect that triggers. Uh, if you cast it, if you use this to spend it, then X happens. Yeah. It's, it's specifically if at least three of a certain color was spent to cast the spell. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if... Usually you have the, like you said, optionality of like, you don't have to spend three because it's three and a red. But also, you, it can be hard to spend three. <laughs> yeah. But if you spend three red, then some additional effect happens. Yep. Again, not something that's going to come up for us a lot. Um, there's a minor sub-theme of when you draw your second card each turn, something happens. There's cards that care about you drawing your second card on a given turn. Yep, it reminds me a little bit of Crown, I think, who cared about if your opponents drew more cards each, right. or cast more spells each turn. It's the second thing that uh, it's interesting, um, seeing a little bit more of that. There's food tokens, which are a new thing. This is, it's kind of like clues or something in that a food token will be created by various cards. And then the food token innately has the ability that you pay two, sack it, and then gain three life. Yep. Not that exciting on the gain three life part, but exciting for commander players that care about tokens or artifacts on the battlefield. Right. Yeah, they are artifacts. That's a good point. And they are there are things that care about specifically food tokens. And then, of course, yeah, for us, there are just things that care about how many 
tokens you have, how many artifacts you have, that kind of thing. In general, yeah. And the last thing that's sort of throughout the set is this is not just a fantasy set, it's also Arthurian. So there is Knight Tribal. As we saw with Sir Gwyn is also a Knight Tribal Commander. There are a lot of Knights running throughout the set and you'll find random synergies here and there. Yeah, that's pretty exciting because Dominaria had a bunch of knights, so we're kind of continuing a theme over, you know, recent sets. So I think newer players can look to Knight Tribal as something that's kind of easy to assemble for them. All right, let's go into the specific cards here. We're going to start off with... Uh, the Planeswalkers. We always talk about the new Planeswalkers in a set, and this one's no different. And this one, we have the return of Garrick. So it's Garrick, Cursed Huntsman. Pretty pretty beefy boy. He's yeah, always beefy. He's always beefy. Garrick uh, and the Huntsman. I was trying to make a Huntsman joke about that. He one. is Wasn't the that? Huntsman in the, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of the mythical Huntsman. And if someone had to cosplay it, Josh, I think... It would be Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Oh, I was going to say you with your <laughs> arms. But all right, sure. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth would be good too. I can't grow a beard, so it's impossible for yeah. me to do that. All right, it's four, a black, and a green for a five loyalty Planeswalker, Garrick. Has a zero ability, so no plus ability. You create two, two, two black and green wolf creature tokens Hmm. and they have when this creature dies put a loyalty counter on each garrick you control each garrick so not just this garrick will get yeah no plus ability but if you make wolves and they die that's kind of a pseudo plus ability on this garrick and also will incidentally put loyalty counters on your other garricks if you happen to have multiple garricks and that one too yeah um is negative three is destroy target creature draw a card very garrick negative six again starts with five loyalty you get, an em- you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and have trample. Interesting. So I looked at all the Garricks. There are actually only six in Magic's history, uh, not counting this one, and they're not terribly exciting in terms of the, ooh, maybe I can get them to ulti immediately. Right. In fact, the only one that you can get to ulti if it's on the battlefield when this Garrick comes out would be Garrick Wildspeaker, and he do- doesn't even give you an emblem. He starts at three and his ult is at four. So you'd have to have this Garrick out, play the other one, and then sack both of those wolf tokens. And then you could ulti this Garrick and just give your creatures plus three, plus three, and trample. But then the creatures you just create. It's just until dies. end of turn yeah, on Wildspeaker, yeah. right? So it's not that impressive. Don't get too excited about it. But the fact that this Garrick creates two two twos is actually really exciting, especially if you're going to have doubling season and parallel lives out. Um, if you have pure imaginative rascal, that one specifically adds counters and doubles that. So you can get, you know, with doubling season and pure out, I think you get like eight counters on Garrick. Oh, so you can maybe like emblem twice, basically. Yeah. If, like, you, if you sack all of them at the yeah. same time. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Cause you're getting a bunch of tokens and then um, they're going to double when they go on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. Or maybe even more because of doubling season. There's also a lot of work to too. create a creator of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's this card is, I think, more exciting for people that just want to either make a lot of creatures, um, have a pretty flexible six CMC commander. I mean, commander is not commander, planeswalker. Um, but I don't think it's actually that exciting, but I think it is very cool. Yeah, it's just high CMC for the negative three, like yeah. Ugin and stuff like that's just almost always going to be better. Wolf tribal, maybe? Yeah, master of the wild hunt. Okay. Have your wolves attack some people. Cool. All right. Uh, the next Planeswalker is actually Planeswalkers. They put two on one card. It's, First time ever. Yeah, it's uh, Will and Rowan Kenrith, which is weird because isn't there a Kenrith card in this set? Yeah. Maybe their Kenrith is the last name of like... But he's called loyalty. Kenrith the Returned, isn't he? Maybe they're all named after him. Okay. They're Yeah, whatever. The Lannister twins. <laughs> um, the card is actually called the Royal Scions. So they are related to 
the Kenrith, right? Because they're royal. I guess, I guess so. so. All right. The royal scions. One blue... We are not lore experts, <laughs> yeah. by the way. <laughs> so you might be able to tell. All right. Well, one blue red. So three mana for a five loyalty planeswalker. It's legendary planeswalker Will Rowan. Plus one. Draw a card, then discard a card. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another second plus one. Target creature gets plus two, plus oh, and, uh, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. So one of those is Will, one of those is Rowan, I guess. Oh, that makes sense. And then negative eight is draw four cards. If you do, the Royal Scions deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So this is good because it comes in with five loyalty and it costs three. So that by itself, it doesn't it doesn't have protection built onto it, which most planeswalkers need for us to be like these are getting better. Uh, right. This is good because it can protect against a bl- it can block against something. But this does have a ton of value stable onto it, and there is a chance that you play this on turn three and no one can even kill it. Yeah, even if you although do it doesn't it. like you're gonna loot twice maybe and then it dies. Like what's the play pattern that makes it awesome? I guess pump your creature. It does give it a first strike. Trample. I wish it was until your next turn so you could pump a creature, give it first strike, and have it sit there as a flocker. Ah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think this card is more just a, hey, look, do you want to have these two first abilities in your deck and you don't want to waste two card slots on it? You could potentially have the Royal Scions there instead. Yeah. Seems pretty me- mediocre to me, but it is a three drop, so. Yeah. And, you know, for those that love Planeswalkers, I think this is a fun one to to add into the, the lore books. All right, the next one, you want to read it? Yes, this one I'm really excited about. It's Oko, Thief of Crowns. One, a green and a blue for a four-loyalty Planeswalker. His plus two is create a food token. And again, those are artifacts with no CMC. You can pay two and tap it and sack it and gain three life. And his plus one, so that's two plus abilities, is target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness 3-3. So you can turn your food token into a 3-3. Yeah, or a commander. Uh, <laughs> and his minus five is exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. So he comes oh, on you, the battlefield. Yeah, you turn something into an Elmer. Yes, you can Elmer something. Oh, that's awesome. And then you can also trade it. So his Then he, steal he, it. He kind of, yeah, inner synergizes with everything. His plus two creates a food token, puts him in ultimate range. You can then exchange that food token the next time you use him for minus five with another creature with uh, an opponent controls the power three or less. Or you can turn their creature into a power three or, uh, by turning it into just a regular three three and then switch it with your artifact or your food token. Right. It also, a lot you're right. It here. is very good against tokens be, or against commanders because those type of effects tend to be a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, Dark Steel Mutation, Song of the Dryads. I think those two examples are way better because they make it actually hard to kill your own commander to put it back in the command zone. Whereas if you turn it into a 3 3 elk, it probably can block, it can block something in. or attack in until somebody has to block it and kill it. But it is a hoop you have to jump through to get it killed to get back in your command zone so you can recast it. So yeah. that is probably better than your average removal spell. And then, yeah, like you said, if they aren't careful, you're just going to steal it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it stays a 3-3, so you just get a elk. But if they can't sack it and you yeah. just keep it on your side of the battlefield, they don't have access to that card anymore. So, yeah, I like Oko as a anti-commander tech. But in general, too, he just seems to have a lot of utility. I actually like this the most out of all three of the cards because mm-hmm. of how cheap it is and the fact that you can steal stuff, too. But I still don't think this is, like, incredible. But I think it is pretty good. Again, 3 CMC, so that does make it a lot more playable than if it were not three cmc yep all right right. so yeah we're gonna go into the next sort of category of cards that was planeswalkers we're leaving them behind and now there's a legendary artifact cycle 
and there's one they're monocolored artifacts and there's one for each color the first one is the cauldron of eternity it's hold on 10 black black 12 mana casting it <laughs> legendary artifact but this spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard so Ooh. you can reduce that 10 by quite a bit Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. So whenever one of your creatures dies from now on, it doesn't go to your graveyard anymore. It goes on the bottom of its owner's library. I guess you stole something. But you can pay two and a black and tap the cauldron and pay two life. And then return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So it makes it harder to put creatures into your graveyard from now on, but... Anything that's already there or anything you can get there by other means now can be put on the battlefield for only two and a black and two life. Yeah, that's actually a great rate. And the fact that you can do it repeatedly is awesome, except that when the creature dies, it goes to the bottom of your library. But this is actually really interesting with a card called Verdant Succession. So Verdant Succession says, it's four in the green for an enchantment. Whenever a green non-token creature dies, that creature's controller may search their library for a card with the same name as that creature and put it onto their battlefield. And then you shuffle your library. So if you have a green creature die, you can stack the triggers in a way that you actually put the card on the bottom of the library when it dies, and then you search it out. Otherwise, Avert Succession is a completely useless card in Commander. I mean, unless you're playing Shadowborn Apostles or something Yeah, exactly. But it's green non-token creatures, so you're going to have to do it only for green creatures. But it seems pretty interesting because it's, again, a card that, like, not meant for Singleton, but Oh, so you go infinite with, like, an altar and something in that case, right? Or you can just get infinite enter the battlefield triggers, and then you get infinite mana. And then, right, because it's acidic off. slime, let's say. Oh, my gosh. Just blow up all the lands and then win. Yep. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, Grenzo, a lot of people tweeted at me when this came out because I played the Grenzo on yep. that one episode with uh, Kenji and Gabby. Grenzo is a commander that cares about creatures on the bottom of your library. can basically get them out on the battlefield for free. So this is a way to get them there and know exactly what's there, which is another thing Grenzo wants to know. Yeah. Uh, so... New card that came out recently that Grenzo might want to fetch up is Dockside Extortionist. You yep. get a bunch of those triggers. So, every, again, the combo is with this cauldron out. It dies because of the bottom of the library. Grenzo pays two and then brings out a card that usually can generate more mana than it costs for him to use his ability. So, Priest of Urbrask, Priest of Gix, uh, Workhorse, and Dockside yep. Extortionist are all cards that could potentially generate more mana. And then, boom, you have infinite mana. Yeah, for a lot of those, you'd need a sack outlet to get them to die again and get back. Yeah. But, yeah, if they create three mana, Grenzo gets them back out for two which means you're netting mana each time. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, you're going to want, I think, a lot of ways in a deck with Cauldron to self-mill, mm-hmm. dredge, because remember, when your creatures die, they don't go to graveyard that way anymore. But there's still ways to fill up your graveyard that aren't creatures dying. Discarding yeah. would work too. Yep. Uh, Hogak wants to play this card for sure. Yeah, okay. The next one uh, in this legendary artifact cycle is the Magic Mirror. This one is blue, 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 and six. So nine mana total, legendary artifact again. But it says this spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Hmm. It says you have no maximum hand size. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put a counter on the magic mirror, then draw a card for each or knowledge counter on the magic mirror. Sorry, you put a knowledge counter on it, uh, not okay. just a regular one. And then you count up how many counters are on it and draw that many cards. And that happens every up- upkeep. Yep. Very similar to a card called Mind Unbound, which was from M12, and it's an enchantment that costs six, does the same thing, but does not have a mana reduction. So Magic Mirror, I think, is actually pretty powerful. Although um, Mind Unbound costs four blue-blue, this costs six blue-blue-blue. Right, So, but ideally, right, you're playing the Magic Mirror for like four, five mana, but it is hard to cast in a non-blue primary color deck. Okay, so 
you have no proliferator anyway to mess with counters. Okay. Let's say you have lots of instants and sorcerers. You're in Mizzix or something. Yep. Um, realistically, you cast this for... Let's say shoot the moon. You cast it for three, four, a oh, four. Okay, blue, blue, I think blue, four and is one, yeah. right? And you're doing that somewhere around like turn five or six, uh, right? Because you have to have cast that many ancestor sorcerers or self milled or something. Mm-hmm. So you paid four mana for it. Your next turn, you draw one extra card. Okay. Your turn after that, draw two. You draw two. So you've drawn three cards for four mana. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. On the second turn. And turns four through six, you're almost guaranteed to not be losing in sort of like the general power level of commander games these days. So you will get value off of it. I, it is slow, though. Yeah. You want to have proliferate. You want to have a b- ways to abuse this. Are there a lot of pro- proliferate there. decks that play a bunch of instants and sorceries is my question. Uh, Doesn't seem like it. I think, Atraxa? Yeah, I think a lot of times, like... Stroke of Genius is just going to be better than this card. Just because you get a one-time shot and get a and bunch of mana. get yeah. like five or six cards one time, and that's Mage um, Mirror is going to take like three turns to get you that Yeah. Mana. I mean, Cauldron of Eternity at least has the ability to do something powerful each turn that's different. Uh, Magic Mirror just continues to take up and draw more cards. But if this thing sticks around four or five turns, you're drawing. My gosh, you're drawing a lot of cards. Yeah. You have to be able to cast it for cheap, though, because the fact that it's... Yeah, you know, a lot of mana. Otherwise, is is not. Is I think not you want to play this with extra turn spells, so you're going to be that person, so that you get more of those triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it goes well with like Kaidel as well. Uh, uh, yeah. But Kaidel also has ways of winning the game that don't need a clunky nine mana card. I mean, she would rather just wheel, right? Because yeah. that's like seven cards now. Tap for a million mana. Yeah, totally. All right, the next one is the red one. It's called Ember Cleave. This one I'm so excited about. It's actually really good. It's four red red for a legendary artifact, but this one's an equipment and it has flash, which is weird on an equipment, but it says this spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control. Hmm. So if you attack with three creatures, this thing only costs three mana. And it says when Ember Claw enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. That makes sense because an equipment otherwise wouldn't be very good with flash because you can't speed, equip yeah. at... Uh, Surprise, I have an yeah. equipment. So you just pay the the cost and it immediately attaches to a creature, which is good. Equip creature gets plus one, plus one and has double strike and trample. And then it has an equip cost of three. So once it's already out, you can slide it around for three mana, which is, you know, a high cost, but whatever. What you're really doing is playing this kind of as a combat trick. Yeah. Um... And it's an absurdly powerful one. It's team or battle rage as well as plus one, plus one. The right. trample is super relevant here. Yep. Um, Godo bandit warlord decks rejoice. This is the kind of card that you want to search out. Uh, otherwise, you cast it and you attach it and then you attack a bunch and just murder someone. Um, someone made a good point that in the Neheb the Eternal deck, because it is a six mana card, you play Neheb on four or five, you attack with Neheb and you're definitely going to be able to play Embercleave. And even if they block... They're going to take absurd amounts of damage. You're going to make all that mana back. Oh, because the afflict and then the double strike and trample. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to take a ton. And then you're going to get the mana rebate. That's good. Which is interesting because normally I would never, I would say never put an equipment in the Neheb deck, but this may be one that works just because it is so efficient once you're able to, you know, surprise someone with it. Greven, I think it's pretty good in Greven. Yeah, Uh, totally. Again, maybe not great because you're normally only attacking with like two creatures in Greven. Mm -hmm. So. Four mana is kind of a lot. I think you have to be able to get this down to like three mana. Otherwise, I think you should just play Team or Battle Rage. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's two mana, right? Now, this is reusable, so I'd be willing to pay a little bit extra, but I don't. I think four mana is a lot as a trick. Yeah, I mean, that's why cards like Grand Warlord Radha 
gives you a bunch of mana when you attack. So does Rod Hot Air the Keld. So that is another way. I mean, I think you're going to want to do this in a either a go-wide deck or like a monster beatdown deck, like a Xenagos deck. I so. mean, a Voltron deck may want it as just a surprise kill you too. There's yeah. not a ton of things that give double strike at instant speed and trample. And so yeah, actually a double lot strike of, is really rare on the equipment. Yeah, it's just not something that people calculate in and assume you have. So a lot of times people will let an attack through. Oh, okay, I'll take six. No, hold on. Yeah. Sorry. You're going to take 21 and die. You know, that's the type of thing that people don't see coming from a lot of decks. So it could be worth it for just that aspect. Yeah. People said Prosh Skyrider of Care would be really fun with this too because you're, you can attack with the little wise and then all of a sudden Prosh becomes a 12-12 with plus one, plus one double strike trample. Someone's seems gonna, good. Someone's going to die. <laughs> all right. The next one is the green one and probably the most powerful. Yep. It's the Great Henge, one of the most powerful cards in the set actually. It's seven green green, so nine mana total, legendary artifact. This spell costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So if you have a five five, this is only four mana. You can tap it to add green green to your mana pool and you gain two life. It comes in untapped too, so you can use it right away. So if you have a five five, it really costs two mana kind of. Yeah. And then it says, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on it and draw a card. So that's powerful. I mean, very, very powerful to just pump the creature. And just the draw a card part is part of Zendikar Resurgent, basically. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And it gives you some kind of ramp because you can use it for that. Um, And it's ETB, not cast, which is more powerful because there are more ways to abuse enter the battlefield than there are to abuse cast. Totally. Yeah. First thing I thought of was Persist Creatures. Yep. Because it's just like Grumgully, which we talked about last episode. Uh, If a Persist Creature dies, it comes back to the battlefield with a negative one counter. This puts a plus one counter on it, which they negate each other. So now it has no counters on it. So if it dies again, that will just happen again. And every time it comes back in, you draw a card. So it has the benefit you're going to get from a Persist Creature, like entering Mm -hmm. and exiting and entering and exiting forever. means you'll draw your entire deck. So if you haven't sack outlet this and a persist creature, you're going to draw your entire deck. If the sack outlet is an altar, you're going to draw your entire deck and have infinite mana. So that's going to just win you the game. Sounds kind of broken. Also, if it's like murderous red cap or something, you don't even need the mana. You just need mm-hmm. a sack outlet because murderous red cap will deal damage every time it comes in. Yeah, this is the kind of deck that wants also really high power creatures. So Selvala decks obviously are going to think about something like this and theirs. Uh, Galta has a very similar yeah. text. <laughs> the spell costs X less to cast where X is the total power of creatures you control. So, and that guy's a 12-12 with trample. So there's, I think, a bunch that of That makes different... the Great Henge cost two mana. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Um, and of course, because you're getting this doubled up, uh, you're getting this this effect where you get to get a plus and plus and draw a card, Yarok and Panharmonicon, great ways to just draw a bunch more. But... Oh yeah, that is an ETB effect. I think Persistent Alters is just where it's at. That's... But done. You win. If you already have Persist Creatures and Alters in your deck and you have green, then you just put this in there because you're gonna draw your whole deck yeah and also like it's just a good card like it's not a card that you draw and it's like this is only a combo piece right it taps for mana and draws you cards and bumps your creatures like and it's gonna be cheaper than seven mana almost every time like the most you're ever gonna pay for this is like five right you're you're gonna have a four four most Mm -hmm. of the time so yeah that card seems a little bit nuts i'm pretty i'm i'm a big fan of it i again i was like oh the most powerful card in the set isn't white what a surprise Uh, speaking of white let's talk about the white one it is the circle of loyalty Four white white, so six mana for a legendary artifact, but this spell costs one less to cast for each knight you control. Aw, oh, man. Uh, we were so close to just having it be something more generic. Something that white, of all, like, green gets the one that's like, hey, if you're in a green deck, this is probably going to be good. Yeah. White gets the one that's like, 
You have to be a knight specifically. You have to be a knight. Yeah. Okay, so it it reduces its cost for knights you control. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a two two white knight creature token with vigilance, and you can pay three and a white tap the circle of loyalty and create a two two white knight creature with vigilance. So okay, yeah. Listen, if you're in a knight deck, you're running this card. Yep. Right? If you're playing Kethis, the Hidden Hand, maybe you're running it because of all the legendary creatures you're casting. Eh. But you have to be in the Knight deck, so like Ariel, Knight of One Grace. Uh, funnily enough, Edgar Markov is a knight. And you also have Sir Gwyn, who I think this this and Sir Gwyn go along very nicely. Yeah. I, I just wish that if you looked at the cards, I think green's the most powerful, black's the second most. Yeah. Probably then, then red. Blue and red, similar-esque. They're very different techniques. I think red's probably better than the blue one, just as far as if you're just rating it on how strong it is. And then white and blue are kind of similar. Like, white's the... We talked about this last episode. White's the weakest color. When you have chances to give... Like, you, I, I wish they would look at it and be like, eh, maybe we can make white the strongest of this cycle. Like, just one time. Yeah. It's a little disappointing. Just but, one time. <laughs> but Night Tribal, um, there you go. <laughs> I'm just sad for white. I want... I wrote the outline, right? We wrote the outline together and I kept going through the cards and every time a white card came out, I was like, here we go. Here we go. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so you know what? Spoiler alert. White doesn't get any help in this set either, really. There's one card maybe. All right. Let's go to, we've got one more cycle. It's the castle cycle. So the cycle of rare lands in this set is not dual lands. It's monocolor lands. Again, I think we're getting ready for devotion in Theros. Mm -hmm. That's just a prediction. Uh, we know nothing. So there's these four castles, which are the rare lands that are kind of utility lands. So let's start with... Castle Vantress. Vantress is the blue one. It's a land. It They all have this same type of text at the start. So Castle Vantress enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island. Okay. So there'll be one for black that says unless you control a swamp, blah, blah, blah. It taps for blue, or you can pay two and two blue, tap the Castle Vantress, and scry two. So it's just like pretty easy to come in untapped mm -hmm. and then has like an overcosted ability tied to it. Nothing super exciting. Yeah, I think all of the abilities on these lands are overcosted, but they are utility. And if it's not going to damage your mana base, uh, they I could see them as just being auto includes in a lot of decks that just want a little bit extra power out of their lands that, like, you know what? I don't need this basic land slot. What can I replace it with? Castle Vantress and these castles seems like great, great cards for that. Yeah. I think, you know, once you're above two colors, you probably can't afford it because you're yeah. not too many dual lands that aren't islands or swamps or whatever. If you guys are looking for a really good scry land, though, I would recommend Soldevi Excavations. It's a land that when it enters the battlefield, you have to sacrifice an untapped island, but it does tap for uh, blue and colorless. So it taps for two and you can just pay one to tap it and scry one. So, yeah, once you get that going, it's way cheaper. Yeah. These are good. You wrote down Elsha, Kefnet, yeah. decks that care about the top of your library. Hopefully, you have better ways of manipulating the top of your library than paying four mana to scry one. But, you know, it might be useful in... Or try, try, try two. two. It Sorry. might be useful in certain decks that, like, this is not your primary... You know, you hope you draw top, but yeah, if you yeah. don't, then, yeah. Here's another way to get at it. Yeah. Redundancy is good. Okay, the next one is a red one. It's Castle Embrith. Again, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a mountain in this case. Taps for red, or you can pay one red red, tap it, and creatures you control get plus one, plus oh until end of turn. This actually thing has a lot of implications for standard, just because it gives red decks like that extra boost they need. And uh, red decks are always good, especially early in standard. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to play this card in Commander. 
I mean, if you have a token deck and you're two color and it has red, I could see running this as just like a, you know, most of the time it's just works like a regular land. Yeah. But, but sometimes it gets in just enough extra damage. Red, yeah. green tokens, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but I think you could run it. Yeah. Next one is green, Castle Garenbrig. Again, enters tapped unless you control a forest. You can tap it to add green, or you can pay two green, green, tap it, add six green to your mana pool, but spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. So it costs you four mana, but you get six back. So it basically taps for two, two. in that case. Like Temple of the Lost false gods in a way temple of the false yeah For, temple of the forest gods false investment because you put in four mana and you yeah. get six back the, i guess that's a good investment the problem with cards like this is that what sources are you using to tap for that two green green because maybe you only have four lands and you need those islands but now you're trying to get extra mana on this land and all of a sudden you're losing access to some of your colored mana so this is mostly good i think in one two color decks yeah if you're up to three colors it's not going to be as good I, like although i mana. think like if you're just a comma because yeah. there are certain decks that want just want lands that tap for multiple mana. So they're mm-hmm. going to run Bounce Lands, Temple of the False God, uh, Guy's Cradle and stuff like that. Obviously, people have it. And so you're just looking for, you know, a way to go positive on mana with less lands in right. play. Yeah. Nykthos is another one that would kind of maybe run in as a combo deck. Uh, this next land is one that I don't know how to pronounce. It's Castle Lockthwain. Lockthwain? I think Lockthwain looks Lockthwain. good. Although, if you look at the art, it's Castle Aladdin's Lamp. Or a Castle Star Destroyer. There's a lot of things it, it could does be. look like it, that. I think it's supposed to be the lamp, though. <laughs> it might supposed to be Darth Vader because it's black. It says Star Destroyer. I like that. Yeah. Okay. It could be a few things. Uh, it comes into play untapped as long as you control a swamp. Taps for black. Or you can pay one black black, tap it, draw a card, then lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Hmm. So you only want to use it when you have very few cards or in a desperate situation. Yeah. Or if you have some sort of loss of life synergy. Yep. So we've talked about this card multiple times now this year. It's Villas Broker of Blood. He, he basically says whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. So you're going to draw, let's say you tap this, you draw one card, lose seven because you have seven. You're going to draw seven, seven more, more cards and lose seven life. That seems pretty good. Yep. Uh, Grevin, another one that cares about losing life. And this one you can activate at any time, so people have Mm. to always calculate for it. That's going to be really annoying in Greven, obviously. I mean, you're playing this in Greven, right? Yeah, yeah. It sits there untapped, and now you attack, and they're like, how many cards you got? So you can always add eight to your total if I don't block. So yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Okay, the last one is the white one. It's Castle Ardenvale. It is, again, unless you control, or it comes in untapped if you control planes. Mm -hmm. You can tap it to add white, or you can pay two white white, Tap it, create a 1-1 white human creature token. So it's kind of like a Danto a little bit. There's a lot of lands. And yeah, Kildor and Outpost is another one that's yeah, very yeah. similar. Um, yeah, this is over-costed token generation, but if you're in a token deck and you want redundancy, like the rest of these cards that we talked about, this is a potentially a good add. If you have Divine Visitation in your deck, this should probably go in your deck because oh, yeah. pay four, make a 4-4 four, four angel. Still not the best rate, but something you may want to do in certain games especially if you run, you're in white so you're probably gonna run out of cards because you don't have a lot of good card draw yeah so. seems pretty good yeah i think this one's decent uh it's not amazing but it's fine none of the castles are amazing but they are cards and this is what sort of where i like to see cards for commander they're none of them are like break the game like everyone's like i wish there were break the game cards in every sense like no you don't yeah like, you need a lot more playable cards over the crazy crazy paradox engine level cards yeah for sure all right, so now we're going to move into the cards by color. Yeah. 
We're, and we're done with the cycles. Thank goodness. Actually, there. there's one more cycle, but we saved it for later, and I don't know why. I, I, I did this outline. <laughs> there's a common land cycle. We'll talk about the end. Oh, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> Lots of lands. It's because I think I thought, oh, they're common lands. We won't talk about them. Then I read them, and I was like, oh, we have to talk about them. Yeah, we unfortunately <clears throat> do. We won't have much to say, but we'll talk about them. Okay, so the first black card is Murderous Rider. You want to read it? Yep. It's one black, black. It's an adventure. <clears throat> Uh, so the regular card, Sans Adventure, is a creature zombie knight 2-3 with a lifelink, and when Murderous, Riders di- when Murderous Rider dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. And it has a adventure part of it, which is Swift End. It's an instant destroy target creature or planeswalker. You lose two life. So it's kind of Hero's Downfall on one side. Yep. And then it just has added value in that you can get a 2-3 lifelinker later. Yeah, and that it goes to the bottom of your library when it dies. Now, interesting uh, thing about this is that Kess Dissident Mage can cast this from your graveyard because Kess says during each of your turns you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your oh, graveyard. Wow. And this counts as both. Now, if, if Kess said target an instant or sorcery in your graveyard, then you couldn't do it because in the graveyard it's a creature zombie knight. But you have the option of casting it as an instant. So if this is in your graveyard with Kess, you can cast it. it it'll be difficult to get it into your graveyard because when it dies, yeah, it goes exactly. to the bottom of your library. But if you milled it or something and it got in there, it's interesting. <laughs> Grenzo, obviously, this is very very good yep and that it'll die go to the bottom of your library and then you get it back out although you get it back out as a two three so maybe not maybe as not. good yeah i should have put these in alphabetical order because now we're having to scroll on we're the thing scrolling. to find them but this is just the way that it happens all right the next one up is one that i enjoy quite a bit it's, it's very efficient it's also not in alphabetical order oh because it's in the brawl decks oh That's right yeah okay well wow this is it's chittering witch i can do it from memory ready yep it's three and a black correct for a two two Okay. It's a witch. Human witch? (laughs) Crap, I didn't know that part of it. It's a chittering witch. Yeah, I think it's a human witch, but we'll check. We'll double check that part. Uh, But when it enters the battlefield, you create a number of rat tokens equal to the number of opponents you have. Correct. So if you have three opponents, you'll get a 2-2 and three 1-1 rats. And then you can pay one in a black, sacrifice a creature, and give target creature negative two, negative two. Is it sacrifice a creature or another creature? Sacrifice a creature. So it can sacrifice itself. So one in a black sacrifice a creature, target creature gets negative two, negative two until end of turn. Turns out, Josh, it's a human warlock. Oh, right. I forgot. They did warlocks in this because they're more general, gender neutral, I think. Um, okay. So I was close. Yeah. Let me, let's just recap really quick because I, I fumbled my way through it. Three in a black, two, two, <laughs> enters the battlefield. You get rats equal to the number of opponents you control. One in a black, sacrifice a creature. Target creature gets negative two, negative two until end of turn. Yeah, a so lot going on. Super efficient. It's like a black siege gang commander yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, Endrick star decks are probably going to want this because you're making lots of low tokens. Those are token decks. Um, I think this card is very powerful. I like it a lot. You can you can have four mana give you three one ones. Yep. Um, but there are times that you also play four mana and get one 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 depending on what part of the game you're at true but at that point you're down to only two players yeah so it's not the worst it's not like you're already kind of winning if you're down to two players it has a really nice sack ability now the thing about siege gang commander is that it does two damage to a target in res fashion this gives minus two minus two so this gets around indestructible and a lot of other sort of uh different effects in that way so i actually like chittering which quite a lot and And just having a way to sack creatures is often something you want to do yeah exactly get certain things going or save your creature from being stolen whatever yeah, I, I think this card's really good, hyper-efficient. Going to be used a lot in Aristocrat-style decks. Uh, the next is a black card also, and it's from the Brawl decks also. It's Taste of Death. Four black, black. I'm interested to hear what you think of this card. It's, it's a sorcery <laughs> for six mana. 
each player sacrifices three creatures, and then you create three food tokens. Again, food tokens are artifacts that have pay two, tap and sacrifice, gain three life. The problem with this card is that it costs six mana. Mm -hmm. However, the effect of everyone sacrificing three creatures will probably be akin to a board wipe. It's definitely a lot. Yeah, and you're also sacrificing them as well. I just asked the question, is a Liliana Dread Horde General just better? Because she can come in and make everyone sacrifice two creatures, and you're also drawing cards for those creatures that are dying on your side of the battlefield. So mm -hmm. Taste of Death, I think, is a bit overcosted, and I don't know what you really want those food tokens for unless you're playing like a Brea deck or... Corvald, it's, it comes in that deck, which is... Yeah. You, you want to sacrifice other things. Yeah, I if, think... If those if it created like three 1-1 one, one creature tokens, I think it would be a lot better because mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're way more likely to be able to sacrifice a creature than an artifact. Yeah, and here's the thing. I don't want to be sacrificing three of my own creatures unless uh, the deck is built to do it. Right. Okay. So, not that great. Not that great, but I'm sure... It, Someone will play against me at some point, and I'll go, oh my gosh, that's the best card I've ever seen. That card hoses my deck. Sometimes yeah. it will, right? Sometimes it will. I'm right? really good against, like, Narset or something like that. Three creatures is not a, a small amount. That's a lot of creatures. All right, the final black card we're going to talk about is Wishclaw Talisman. This is from the regular set. You can find it in regular booster packs. And you're going to want to find it, because it's very good. One in a black for an artifact. Wishclaw Talisman enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. You can pay one, tap... Uh, the Wishclaw Talisman, remove a wish counter, and then search your library for a card, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. Sounds too good to be true, right? I'm going to get to do that three times. Well, as a little downside. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. So you use it once, it has two counters left, and then it goes to one of your opponents. Yep. And then they can use it. And then they can give it to any other opponent. However, you're going to be smart, right? You're going to be like, which among you is going to give it back to me after you use it. Right. I'll give it to that person. And so you'll about, get to use it twice, they'll get to use it once. The thing about this card, too, is that it says an opponent because if an opponent like has hexproof for whatever reason, uh, they actually want you to be able to give it to anyone. So it says an opponent. Instead of target. Um, obviously, the way to break this is to keep it under your control as much as possible. So I mean, not to the Fate Shifter... You're going to use this for one mana, hold priority. and Or, sorry, you're going to use Aminatu on it, and in response to that trigger, you're going to use the Wishclaw Talisman so that it actually blinks it and brings it back to your side of the battlefield. Oh, right, because it doesn't say activate this ability as a sorcery. It says activate this ability only during your turn. So it can be an instant during your turn. Interesting. If, even if you have cards like Voltaic Key that can untap artifacts, you can use this twice before you have to give it away. Right, because uh, so you put you both get... triggers on the stack, and then you... Oh, uh, so possibly you could use it a third time somehow with some trickeration, and... yeah then you give it to somebody and it has no counters left. This is a three-mana demonic tutor with the right decks. Brea, Artifact, Sacked out Outlets can get rid of it before it goes to someone else. Uh, oh, if you have K yeah, KCI, then you just activate it and you played basically three mana for a tutor, but that's better than giving a tutor to somebody. And KCI gives you two mana back, so you just played black for a tutor to your hand, right? Yeah. It's pretty good. Shatter Gang Brothers will want to sh uh, shatter this as well. Um, someone had the very interesting comment of you could draw up Ashiok Dream Render with this. Okay. And that doesn't let other players oh. search their libraries. <laughs> or you find Bane of Progress, which is going to blow it up anyway. Right. And they can't use it on the turn you give it to them because that's presumably your turn. Yeah. Which means that <laughs> you can always just sort of freely... It's not like they grab it, use it real quick before you could blow it up. Yeah. I think this is best with sack outlets and like Aminatu where you're able to get it back. Uh, otherwise, getting two cards for three man or four mana is absurd. It's two Demonic Tutors. Demonic Tutor is a card that not many people have access to, and I think Wishclaw Talisman with a little jump through a couple of hoops is going to be that for them. 
I mean, I think on a base level, without anything else going on, you play this, you say, listen, I'm going to activate, I'm going to give it to one of you. I just, I'll give it to the first person that promises me when they use it, they'll give it back. Yeah. So on a base level, you use it twice, somebody else uses it once is not that bad. Not bad at all. On, in super high power level play groups, that might be too dangerous. But presumably, you're, you also are playing at a high power level, whereas one tutor for you first might be enough to win anyway. Yeah, you're going you're going to use this card a lot. Uh, hopefully, you're going to use it with um, with Aminato or some way to get, essentially get it back. But if you don't, hey, or like least, Josh said, you could at least use it twice. You at least have ways in your deck to abuse it. And, you know, maybe every game you don't always find one of those other ways, but you can still, you know use it at the base level like i said in those games yeah but like some percentage of the time you actually can abuse it all right we're all about abusing it cards uh, yes all right next up we're going to go into green only a couple of entries here for green the first is return of the wild speaker it's instant speed guys four and a green for an instant choose one draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control or non-human creatures you control get plus three plus three until end of turn so it's kind of like a weird combination of souls majesty and overrun minus the trample um but this is sweet five mana instant speed potentially draw a lot of cards i like these two modes too you know modes that are useful in vastly different situations i think are mm-hmm. better right so if you're behind in the game or it's early in the game or you ran out of gas or a board wipe just happened you want the cards if you are ahead in the game you know a lot of times you would draw like soul's majesty if you had 12 creatures out you don't really even want to cast that card you want yeah. something that does crater hope behemoth this gives you that end of the card um so i think it is powerful and and the flexibility makes it pretty good it's instant speed too, yeah. which is really important. Yeah. So play this in your, I don't know, Azuri and Claw Progress deck or Multani and just draw a billion cards and feel amazing. That art is like, Mr. Carrick, I don't feel so well. Mr. <laughs> or I'm coming back. It's like, you know, you never see in Avengers how they, spoiler alert, how, how people potentially come back from this oh, happening. that's true. So maybe that's what it looks like. Yeah. Maybe they do feel better. I assume that's exactly what it looks like. Yep. All right, the next one is from the Brawl decks. This keeps throwing me off because I'm like looking through the spoiler. Yeah, being like, like, where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's not in, uh, it's not on the same page because I'm looking at the card image gallery on. Anyway, it's Thorn Mammoth. It's a big one. From the Brawl decks again. Five green green for an elephant. Six six with trample. Whenever Thorn Mammoth or another creature enters the battlefield under your control. That second part's really important. Thorn Mammoth fights up to one target creature you don't control. So again, it's a 6-6 with Trample, comes down, kills something. And then either that turn or another turn, you anytime you play a creature or a creature enters the battlefield under your control, Thorn Mammoth fights something again. Yeah. So if you play too many creatures, Thorn Mammoth has a high chance of dying. Yes. It only has six toughness. But if you have, you know, just going to play two creatures a turn, pretty good chance you're just going to off two creatures a turn. Also, if you have instant speed create mm-hmm. a t- create a creature because it could be a token oh right so if you have like squirrel's nest on something you like fight something on your turn damage wears off goes to jimmy's turn create a squirrel fight something you right. can like this card is very very powerful against seven mana but repeatable uh single target creature removal pretty good yeah and if you blink it with something like rune uh, it's gonna lose the damage come back on the battlefield fight something again yeah uh, and animar can cast this for really cheap uh sometimes you can just you know clear the way if you get this on like a mimic vat or something like that oh yeah that's a really good cool target stuff. For so yeah, yeah. I, I i like this card i think again it's it's high casting cost so it's not like tier one competitive style card but in most of our decks in the six and seven range i think thor mammoth does a lot of work and is good yep all right we are going to continue with red but before we move on to the remainder of the cards we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors 
Our episode this week is brought to you by Mack Weldon, the premium men's essentials brand. Josh and I actually got to try out some of their product recently, and I gotta say, I was really impressed by both the comfort and the quality. Plus, Mack Weldon has clothing that covers the entire spectrum. We're talking socks and shirts, underwear and hoodies, sweatpants and jackets, you name it. And one thing I particularly like, since I've been hitting the gym a bunch lately, is that they have antimicrobial stuff that is actually made to help eliminate odors. And that is pretty important, especially when you're headed back to the office after a good workout. I mean, I'm not a monster. I still shower before I come back. Our noses, thank you for it. <laughs> You're welcome. So if you want to get your hand on some of this Mac Weldon clothing, simply go to MacWeldon.com and use the promo code COMMAND for 20% off of your first order. And the great thing is, it's risk-free. If you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them and get a full refund, no questions asked. All right, again, go to MacWeldon.com and use the promo code COMMAND. You'll be helping out this show and also making your life a whole lot comfier too. We're moving on now again, Eldraine set review we're in red running down the list of red cards the first one is fires of invention this is a super interesting one yeah three and a red for an enchantment you can cast spells only during your turn and you can cast no more than two spells each turn so all bad so far <laughs> but it says you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control mm. without paying their mana cost so you get some free spells every single turn, but you're limited on how many you can cast, but you get them for free. It's super weird. I mean, it's cheating of mana cost, right? Like it ge- just gives you free mana. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. <laughs> this is really it's weird, but it gives red stuff that it never has had before in a very red fashion. That... Yeah, this is like hyper ramp in red, right? Yeah. In a way, but you have to, I mean... My brain, when I saw this card, just started malfunctioning because it's like, well, but what if I want to cast three spells? But it's so powerful if I, you know, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be able to cast three spells without this card, probably, right? If I had a four drop and a three drop, so yeah. it's still better in that case, probably. And it doesn't break uh, the game because you can only do it during your turn, right? So you are cheating mana costs, and you you don't have to cheat the mana costs. You can still pay for like a six mana spell if you want. You only have, you know, it's not going to be less than the number of land to control, right? Um. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, in a blue-red deck, Ancestral Vision comes out immediately for free. Oh, because you cast it right. So any suspend cards, you can cast without paying their mana cost. Yep. Technically, some of these suspend cards have no real mana cost in the top right corner. That's interesting. Didn't think about that. Activated abilities don't count towards spells you're casting. So I think right. you would want activated abilities in any deck with Fires of Invention. So Zoncha is a really good one, mm-hmm. right? So you cast two spells, you have some mana left over. Now I just pour that into Zancha, hurt my opponent, draw some cards. Um, this is a great card to give to people with Zedru. Uh, <laughs> maybe. You could be helping them. Maybe, yeah. But it's, I mean, like, give it to the person Storm that deck. casts Vidal Ori. You're right. If like, they have Aetherflux Reservoir in their deck, then you're just like, here, have this. Yeah. Bullets of Citadel, here, have this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> notably, this doesn't reduce commander tax, but if your commander costs less than the number of lands you control, you can pay it and only pay the commander tax. This, I think, is pretty good with, like, stacks. So if you have Winter Orb or something, now mm-hmm. nobody's untapping their lands, and you're still casting one huge thing every turn. Right. So that's pretty good. Static Orb, another one. Um, cards that allow you to play cards without, quote-unquote, casting, casting them. Casting them, yeah. So Quicksilver Amulet and cards like that are really good. Yep. Um, Planar Bridge, one of your favorites. I that's a good that one. Card. Extra turn spells work really well with this, too, because now you're getting twice as many cards to be able to be cast. And also, like, the next turn now, yeah right? You, yeah. You cast the extra turn spell for free and the, your next turn you can cast two spells again. Yeah. Zakama is another good one because of the oh, activated yeah. abilities. Right. You just want to be able to spend all your mana every turn. So anything that lets you like use overflow mana 
you know, because you fires of invention, something huge. Then uh, I got a four drop. What do I do with my other four mana? Oh, I can dump it into Zakama or something like that. So totally. pretty cool card. Yeah, this seems like a very powerful but limited in scope card. I hope it's not so powerful that people have to question its like ban worthiness. I don't think it'll be that. You have to jump through some hoops to make it good. Yeah, I just I just like the design. I'm glad that Wizards is experimenting here with red and giving them some tools they didn't have before. So very exciting for me. All right, uh, the next one is another kind of interesting one yeah this one not so much for me it's iron crag feet it's one red 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 for a sorcery and you add seven red mana you can only cast one more spell this turn so you net three mana with this thing but it limits you afterwards yeah you can cast as many spells leading up to it including the iron crag feet um but you're going to want to use that mana if you do do this on activated abilities or spells that uh, or cards that don't need to, to cast a spell. So you, c- you can cast one more spell, but you can also equip something. Um, right. You can pay seven man to use Goblin Charbelcher, cast it, and use it. Craig had a cool idea here, which was you could copy this spell, and a lot of the copy spells either are cast before or while this is still on the stack before it's resolved, so mm-hmm. they won't count as your one more spell this turn. Oh, I see. Yeah, you cast it, and on top of that, you cast the copy. Pyromancer's Goggles is a card that, you know, you'd get 14 black mana and then still be able red to cast mana. one more spell yeah sorry red yeah mana. yeah fury storm a card that is underrated right now and i think very powerful i've been putting in more and more decks you could presumably or possibly you know copy this three or four times and yeah, then just fireball funny. somebody for your one spell something like that yeah or you could also play mana geyser instead <laughs> and then you, you have a ton of mana and you don't need to cast anything yeah there's a lot of different ways to, to right. not yeah. play this card <laughs> so mana guy <laughs> I mean, I could see this. One point. No, yeah. it's a good. It's a really good point. I could also see this as being like the last, second to last card you cast in your ultimate storm turn. Sure, but at the same point, I don't no, know. No, you killed it with the mana geyser thing. You're right because it's mana geyser is three red red for sorcery, and you just get as much red mana as equal to tap, tap lands. lands your yeah. opponents control it. Now, sometimes we usually see it give you eighteen to twenty mana. So yeah, sometimes it can be less, but but it's never less than seven. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yep, you're right. Just play mana geyser, everybody. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. <laughs> and if you fury storm a mana geyser, that's even better yeah okay um <laughs> next one this one's fun it's a cute name it's robber of the rich as this says uh it's uh it's robin hood it's robin hood yeah it makes sense that he's red he's a very chaotic kind of like impulse based thing that yeah. robin hood does uh one in a red for a 2-2 creature human archer rogue with reach and haste because he's a bowman i suppose whenever robber of the rich attacks if defending player has more cards in hand than you exile the top card of their library during any turn you attacked with a rogue you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell so the creature doesn't need to deal combat damage it doesn't need anything but just to attack and if it's a rogue uh this is exciting it's pretty cool. It's going along, you know, we've got a, a history now, stolen strategies mm-hmm. and Atali and these type of effects. And I like it. This impulsive draw off your Someone opponent's else's decks. deck. Yeah. Yeah. This one allows you to use man of any color, which is, is great. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I wish it was play, right? You can only cast. So yeah, you can't you get can lands. Cast. You can't get lands. But still, I mean, a lot of value for a 2-2. I think early in the game turns like two through five, you can usually find one opponent to attack. The one really big sort of bummer about this card is that most rogues are Demir. They're blue and black. Yeah. And like the good rogue tribal or rogue decks are Una or Sig, which are both Demir decks. You can't play Robber of the Rich in those decks. Mm-hmm. So having a bunch of rogues in your deck with this card is difficult 
Yeah. Grenzo Havoc Razor might be the best rogue in a mono red shell. Um, and pretty good with Robber of the Rich. Yeah, very, very good. You get to essentially get a bunch of triggers if you hit them. Because uh, Grenzo, I'll read it. It's red, red for a 2-2. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, choose one. You can goad target creature that player controls. So that, con- that creature has to attack, but it can't attack you. Or you can also exile the top card of that player's library, and then until on the turn, you may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it would mana of any color to cast that spell. So Robber of the Rich gets you two triggers, essentially. Um, and also, Grenzo goads their best creature, which means it can't block you, which opens up attacks with your Robber of the Rich, yep, keeps the chain going, and Grenzo yeah. keeps the chain going. But the problem, I think, is there's not a ton of rogues in mono red, so you're going to have to have specifically Robber out to take advantage of that. Although Robber's not a legendary creature, so yeah. building a whole deck around is not as good. I just, I wish it were, I don't wish it were blue or black because those colors are already the best colors. But at the same time, don't make it based around rogues, I guess. I guess it's Robin Hood. He has to be a rogue. I get why they did this. I mean, if they just said whenever a red creature you mm. control attacks, it would get very, very powerful. Right. So I, I'm glad there are some limitations. Uh, I haven't seen that in the past with other colors. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> olden days cards would just say things on them and just say them and be like wow i can't believe it says that and these <laughs> days they're very careful about just letting cards they have philosophies and reasons yeah. for why they do stuff yeah and as a result I white what and their red get about smacked because of it man they get ruined because of it because like well we can't do that it's not white it's like well back in the day you kind of did all sorts of crazy things <laughs> greater right. good like what who made that card <laughs> makes no sense it's too powerful okay let's move on to blue all right, we're in blue now. <laughs> Rant over. Yeah. All right. Poor Red. Um, the first one looks innocuous, but there's a whole bunch of interactions with cards we see a lot. So Corridor Monitor is one in a blue for a 1-4 artifact creature construct. When it enters the battlefield, untap target artifact or creature you control. And it's a common. So we know anything that untaps another creature when it comes in goes with certain cards. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is two, at the two mana price point, not three mana where Pestermite and uh, Deceiver Exarch already sit. Very important. Yeah, so this, for a couple of things, goes infinite with Kiki and Twin, of course, just like Deceiver Exarch would mm-hmm. and Pestermite. Um, but it also has interesting interactions with Pod, Birthing Pod, and Prime Speaker Vanifar because it doesn't tap artifacts. And those two combo-based strategies were sort of based on... Both of them do the same thing. You sacrifice a creature, and then you can go find a creature of one CMC or more... Or sorry, one, CMC one more greater. CMC yeah. or, or less than the creature you sacrificed. So you find, if you sack a two-drop, you can go find a three-drop. Three-drop, you can go find a four-drop. And those drops are trying to untap your creature or artifact so you can keep that chain going all the way up until your win condition. Right. So before, it was a little harder to start because you would need to sack a two-drop to find the three-drop, which is Pestermite, Deceiver, Exarch, whatever, to untap and start the chain going. Right. Now you only need a one-drop, because as soon as you sack the one-drop, you find Corridor Monitor, which comes in, untaps the thing. Now you sack that as the two-drop, go find the Pestermite or whatever, untap the thing, sack the Pestermite. And we yep. know from there, it's a well-established where the chain goes. And, and so Birds this, of Paradise is the perfect creature to start this whole thing off with, too. So this moved the chain up basically one whole... CMC, which yeah. is a big deal because... It means you can go off faster because, yeah. again, you're starting also at a lower CMC. So I think this card's actually innocuously very, very good. Yeah. Uh, just, it's also a common. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you can do interesting things with, like, Deadeye Navigator and Corridor Monitor. If, if the thing you're untapping creates more than the two mana... Oh, you go infinite on mana. So, like, Gilded Lotus, Corridor Monitor, Deadeye Navigator, it's infinite on a mana. Uh, there are better ways to go infinite on mana, but you know, sometimes you're in a deck and you're like, well, I just have this now, so I'll just do it. Uh, Point. Yeah. Okay. 
So that's a very innocuous card that I think is better than it looks like you said. All right, the next new card from blue is Faye of Wishes. Make a wish. It's one in a blue. Uh, for a 1-4 fairy wizard with flying, you can pay one in a blue, discard two cards, return a Faye of Wishes to its owner's hand. But it has adventure. So its adventure half is three in a blue. It's called Granted. It's a sorcery. You may choose a non-creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. We wanted to use this because every time a set comes out with a card, and they're doing it a lot recently, that says pull a card from outside the game, everyone always asks about its usage in Commander. And according to the official rules, you cannot use it. Can't use it. There are no sideboards in Commander. Thank goodness. So wish cards just don't do anything. They're not banned. You could still cast the card. It's just you'll fail to find. Now, the thing that the Rules Committee always says, and it's very true here, if you want to play wish cards and you think they're fine... It's fine. Just talk to your playgroup. People yeah. play with all kinds of their own house rules. This is no different. So if you want to play with Karn, this, what was the black one recently in Standard? Oh, 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 yeah. Mastermind's Acquisition. Yeah. If you want to play with those cards, Glittering Wish or whatever, that was good. Pulled I, that out of nowhere. It's because I don't... Uh, you know, it's because I watch Standard streams and that card had some Standard play. Yeah, I watched some MPL and it was on there. Yeah. Um, if you want to play with those cards, just talk to your playgroup beforehand and, you know, be like, hey, I'm going to play some wish cards in here. Is that okay? I'm going to, I have a sideboard, yeah. you know, if, if they don't want you to, well, find a new playgroup. I don't know. <laughs> just don't <laughs> play the wish card or just recognize that your deck has one card in it that does nothing. All right. The next card is from the Brawl decks. It's Fairy Formation. It's very good. <laughs> it's, it's actually not that great. It's, it's okay. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. We're all over the place on this one. Good thing we don't give letter grades to these cards because we would be screwed. It's They'd between be so a inconsistent. C and an A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. There. That sounds like my high school grades. All right. <laughs> uh, it is a five CMC spell, four in the blue for a creature with flying. Um, and it's basically three in the blue, create a one, one blue fairy creature with token with flying and draw a card. So this is one of those, just like Kenrith that we talked about last time, get infinite mana, win the game. Yep. It's also a 5-4 flyer for 5 mana. This card is a house. It's very, very powerful. Um, I mean, create a on flyer. On those base stats. But to be able to, yeah, drawing a card with the creature is huge. If it was just draw a card, it's like, okay, cool. But you get the win condition stapled onto it. Yeah, it, just think if it said 2 mana draw a card, like 1 and a blue draw a card. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Yeah. It's like greed, right? And if it said 2 mana create a 1-1 one, one flyer, that'd be very, good. very good, yeah. right? Like a lot of a lot of cards do something on that level. And the fact that you don't have to tap the creature or anything. And so if you just have a lot of mana or you go infinite, you immediately draw your deck, win the game. I think, yeah, I think this card is actually kind of sneaky good. If you're in a deck that creates a ton of mana, I would think about putting that in there. Go nuts. Yeah. All right, the next one is Into the Story. Five blue, blue for an instant, but it says this spell costs three less to cast if an opponent has seven or more cards in their graveyard. So if an opponent does have seven or more cards in their graveyard, we call that threshold mm-hmm. it's like a reverse threshold but she's walking into the story so maybe she's going into the threshold kind of thing who knows great she's card. going to the yeah she's going to narnia um it is five mana then if they have threshold right she's going into the uh, it's, it's four mana total because it's seven minus oh, yeah you're right it's four three, mana yeah. total so draw four f- mana draw four cards instant speed yeah sorry i, I buried the lead it draws four cards yeah instant speed and listen rarely is there a commander game by like turn six or seven where somebody doesn't have seven cards in their graveyard yeah you play this in a brawl deck it's going to cost three mana to draw oh four my cards gosh 
Just, um, I, I just think this is just a good card in a lot of decks. Four mana, instant speed, draw four cards. Yeah, it's an uncommon two, which means <clears> everyone's going to be able to get their hands on it. So I highly recommend if you're building a blue deck and just want a good card draw spell, use that card. It's also really good in Yuriko because you can flip it for seven and then draw cards for four. Oh, yeah. So oh, good in like Vile Smasher Thrasios because it, oh, yeah. any card that CMC is higher than you actually pay is good because yeah. Vile Smasher just dings people for more. All right, the next blue card is Mirror Maid. Mirror Maid, it's not like the kind of maid that cleans your place. It's not M-A-I-D, yeah, it's M-A-D-E. You're, you're being made by the mirror. It's one blue blue for an enchantment. You may have Mirror Maid enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or enchantment on the battlefield. I, this is great. Copy artifact is a card that's like 50 bucks. Copy enchantment's not super cheap either. Yeah, and... This is both of them. <laughs> yeah, this is both of them in one for three mana instead, instead of two for copy artifact. Yeah, I think this card is really good. It's just very... It's got a lot of utility. Um, if you're in a higher power play group and you, people play really powerful cards and you want to be able to copy them occasionally, yeah. it's great. Even a sword is good enough, I think, to, to copy with a card like that. I mean, they play Rhystic Study and you're like, I'll take a Rhystic Study. Yeah. Yeah. But mine came on a card that I only paid $1.25 for. True. All right. The next blue card is Sage of the Falls, four and a blue for a Merfolk Wizard. It's a two five, but it says whenever Sage of the Falls or another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control... You may draw a card if you do discard a card. So the everybody immediately thought of Locust God that yep. creates locusts, and then every time you draw a card, creates a locust with haste. So this immediately goes infinite with Locust God, and then you kill everyone because the locusts have haste. And you don't even need to draw out your entire deck <clears throat> because nope. Sage of the Fall says you may, may draw a card. That's huge. So you can stop when you feel like it. Yeah, so this yeah. card, again, it's going to be one of those cards that if you have a deck that can abuse it, just throw it in there. Yeah, it's. I think there's not a lot of other decks that want it besides locust god because it's a little bit restrictive to just loot yeah that's true all right the next card is shimmer dragon which is from the brawl deck so we're fant frantically typing it up you beat me i got it okay. shimmer dragon is a really cute dragon i found on google images okay it's four blue blue for a creature dragon it's a five six five six it has flying as long as you control four or more artifacts shimmer dragon has hex proof and you can also tap two untapped artifacts you control to draw a card so this is uh, also, I think, sneakily very good, similar to the um, the, the fairy formation that we saw earlier. Yep. Um, I think this card is great because it can give itself hexproof when you have artifacts. You're going to be want to be an artifact deck, and you can essentially go nuts if you have a card like Unwinding Clock on the battlefield that untaps all the artifacts you control during each player's untapped step, so you can just keep tapping them to draw more cards. The hexproof thing is huge, too. Just the fact that it's going to be hard to remove. So yeah. once your engine gets going... And your engine's not good before you have four artifacts. And once it gets going, it's just, like, tough to kill that engine piece. Yeah. So uh, Unwinding Clock and Clock of Omens are both very good in this sort of deck. Uh, Metallurgic Summoning is a card that I haven't seen much... Uh, haven't heard much about recently, but it's three blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, oh, yeah. you create an XX colorless con construct artifact creature token where X is that spell's converted mana cost. So you can also create a bunch of low artifacts with this card, and then you can also pay three blue blue to exile metallurgic summonings to return in all instants and sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. Only activate this ability if you control six or more artifacts. So that actually works really well Shimmer Dragon too. Um, and of course, Smothering Tithe. Smother them. That card's ridiculous with, with Shimmer Dragon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's absurd. Now all your treasures tap for cards. Well, not all, every two, but yeah, still. Yeah, they tap for cards and for mana when you get rid of them. And it gives the card, and it gives your Shimmer Dragon Hexproof. All right. Let's move on to white here. We're in the home stretch. <clears throat> okay. The first one is pretty interesting. It's called Happily Ever After. Two this card sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also like a lot to unpack. So it's two and a white for an enchantment. 
Happily ever, when Happily Ever After enters the battlefield, each player gains five life and draws a card. Ah, there's white. Each player. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are five colors among permanents you control, also, th- these you need all these conditions <laughs> to be made. If there are five colors among permanents you control, there are six or more card types among permanents you control and or cards in your graveyard. Okay. So you need six permanent type or six card types among like permanent and, and graveyard and creature both on the battlefield. Planeswalker, Planeswalker, yeah, yeah. No, no instant don't count. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> so you need five colors that, and your starting life, and if your starting life's total is greater than or equal to, sorry, and if your life total is greater than or equal to your starting life total. So if you meet all those criteria, you win the game. So at the beginning of your upkeep, you count. You have to have all five colors represented. Ugh, one God. one five color commander will do it. Yep. You have to have six permanent permanent types, types among permanents you control. So yeah, creature, planeswalker, enchantment, artifact, lands, lands. tribal. Yet, but they can be in play or in your graveyard. Yep. And then your life total has to be greater than or equal to forty. And then if those criteria are met, you win the game. Yeah, here's the problem: <laughs> everyone draws a card when you play this, so and it's five life. And so you're actually down a card because you had to play a card to have it happen. Right. And is White's only ability to be good here to be five colors? I mean, you have to be because you have to have five. Yeah. Like, so if you're not in five color, you can't even play this This is card. even a good mono white card. It sucks. This card sucks. <laughs> well, it's definitely not a mono white card because you need yeah. five colors I mean, look, among permanents you control. If you're sad you can't play Coalition Victory in Commander, then this is your crappy other option, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but Coalition Victory is so much easier to do than this. I know, dude. <laughs> That's why I'm just, I just really am not happy with this card. Here's what I want. I want somebody to win, somebody out there, not one of us, because we're not going to play the card, but somebody out there to win with this card and then tweet us a picture. Yeah, see, let's sh- yeah. show us what your permanents are and your <laughs> the five colors, how you achieved it. All right, so white, not off to a great start. We're yeah. still on our... Uh, we're still on our soapbox, I suppose. It was definitely a there was definitely a deafening silence when I read that card. <laughs> Segway man. Uh-huh. Because the next card is Deafening Silence. It's a white mana for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. This is now very much a white card. This Powerful is card. in the realm of what white likes to do, stop people from casting more things. It's got that, you know, sort of staxy effect to it. And it's very cheap to play. So this I think. It's a strong card, but Thumbs up. my problem with balancing white in the way of this, they also did like Spirit of the Labyrinth, which is players can't draw more than one card each turn and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Those are powerful effects for sure. But blue's powerful effects are Ristic Study and Consecrated Sphinx. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not saying that one is more powerful than the other, but in multiplayer, the dynamic is different. If you play cards like Deafening Silence, it makes the other players go, I want to kill that player. yeah. If you play cards like Ristic Study, it makes other players say, I want to kill Ristic Study. Right. And there's a big difference in those right. two things. Right. So, because Deafening Silence is just kind of a mean type of card, but it's very powerful. Um, and there's ways to abuse it. So, if you pair it up with... <laughs> no Stone Gargoyle. It's a nine mana artifact creature. That's a four or five with flying. But whenever the first non-creature spell of a turn is cast, counter that spell. Just shuts down the board. So, Deafening Silence means nobody can cast non-creature spells if they have Null Stone Gargoyle out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which you're only gonna play Deafening Silence, I think, in decks with a lot of creatures. Mm-hmm. So because it it's symmetrical, it affects you as well. So yeah, um, yeah, okay, all right, all right, cool, good job, White. You did something that was in line with things you've done in the <laughs> you're past. Salty about White today? I just I don't know. Ever yeah. since we talked about it the other time, and I started looking up all the cards and being like, like, oh yeah, now's the chance. And I looked it up, and I'm like. Okay, and I look up the comments, and everyone's crapping on white too. I'm like, huh, it's not just me. Yeah, 
All right, the next card is Harmonious Archon. Four white, white for a four, five flying Archon. It says non Archon creatures have base power and toughness three, three. Cool. So everything's three, three, but it doesn't take away abilities like Humility does. Mm-hmm. And then when Harmonious Archon enters the battlefield, you create two one one white human creature tokens, which are actually three threes because they're not, not Archons. Archons. It's an interesting card and could be used as mass pump as well if you have like a lot of squirrels and yeah. things like that. I think this is actually a cool card. Mm-hmm. So I, I applaud uh, the design team for making this for white because you're right, it is kind of like humility. Um, I wish it took away abilities. Yeah, I mean, that I think would be way too powerful. But at the same time, maybe white needs it. Who knows? I mean, why would it be too powerful? Because it's six man on a creature. You can kill the creature. Humility is hard to get rid of because it's an enchantment. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, it is cool, though. I like how it buffs everything else up, but yep. also potentially can shrink your opponent's armies down. That's true. Um, so it, it's a symmetrical effect. Uh, That's true. If they have an Ulamog, it's a lot less scary as a 3-3. Yeah. So I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's fine. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy, but it is good enough for me to go, cool, I'll give it an okay rating. The next card is probably the best white card in the set. It's another card kind of similar to Deafening Silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, go ahead and read it. It's Hushbringer. It's got very interesting art. The art looks as if they somebody, like, pushed pause during, like, a James Bond opening title sequence. Uh, someone said it looked like a, uh, I think it was Brian said it looked like a romance cover novel. <laughs> <laughs> Those lips are so big. <laughs> yeah, they look so photo real. It's just, it's a little arresting. Yeah. All right, sorry, Hushbringer. One in a white for a 1-2 flying lifelink creature fairy. Uh, creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Or dying. Dying, yeah. So that's really important. It stops Protean Hulk shenanigans. Um, stops like all Tesa Karlov decks. <laughs> yeah, it's a flying torpor orb plus that dying trigger. So I think that's actually really important. It's two mana. It's man- a noper orb. Nor- noper orb. Sure. Nice. I'm down. I, I, I don't know what to say about it other than that. It's I, it's good. It's stopping things. It stops a lot of things. Yeah. Like, Enter the Battlefield effects. By itself, Hushwing Griff and Torpor Orb just turn off a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. So, with the dies thing, this is a very powerful card. And the kind of card that, again, though, if they can't kill this card, they're going to want to kill you really bad. Because people don't like playing... Like your Yarrick deck and somebody plays one card that just shuts off the whole deck. Yeah, fortunately, <clears throat> it is a creature, so it is yeah. a little easier to get rid of. Torbro Orb, however, oof, rough. All right, the next card is, I think, one of the few, like, board wipes in the set or... or, or yeah, there aren't too many. Yeah, it's Realm Cloaked Giant. Five white, white for a 7-7 seven, seven with Vigilance. But it has Adventure. Its Adventure is called Cast Off. It's three white, white for a Sorcery. It says, destroy all non-giant creatures. And then, of course, you exile this card, and then you may cast this creature later from exile. So it's a five-mana board wipe that comes with a seven-mana 7-7 seven, seven vigilance as sort of like gravy later. Yeah. I think this is <clears throat> only good in one commander deck, and that's Kalemni, Disciple of Irwas, because it's a giant soldier. Uh, and you also get, whenever you cast a creature spell with converted cannon cost, five or greater, you get an experience counter. So, yeah. hey, you can get one off the Realm Cloak Giant. And it doesn't kill Kalemni because she's a giant. Yeah. There are millions of board wipes in EDH that you can use. If you are happening to run a giant-themed deck, then you're going to want to play... There are some giant tribal Realm decks Cloak out there. Giant. There are. There are a bunch of cool giant effects. I don't think they're particularly strong, but they do exist, for sure. And they are mostly in red and white. So, here you go. All right, we're moving on. We're in the home stretch now. We're in multicolored. Um, oh crap! This first one is a brawl. I'm <laughs> like every time that gets, every time we're like, every time how we, is that card? The card is they're not alphabetical. It's not their fault. They're they just split up the brawl decks. Yep. This one is called Banish into Fable. Really cool name. 
Uh, four, a white and a blue for an instant. When you cast this spell from your hand, copy it if you control an artifact. Then copy it if you control an enchantment. You may choose new targets for the copy. So this could potentially be 3x, all right? And the 3x effect that you could potentially get is return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. You create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. So six mana bounce three, make three two twos. It's almost like one of the confluence cards. Really good, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, six mana is a lot, but it's instant. So that, that mitigates that. And just, yeah, bouncing three things and you just make three knights. Yeah. Pretty great. I like this. I do too. The fact that it's instant is really important and you're probably going to have an artifact or an enchantment out. So at least you get this twice. Yeah. And even six mana bounce two things makes two two twos is, is not an awful rate. Yeah. It's pretty good still. All right. The next card is Dance of the Mance. <laughs> it's a weird card name. White, blue, and X for a sorcery. Return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So let's say you paid four for X. You could get up to four artifact and non-aura enchantments with CMC four or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Crazy. Yeah, if X is six or more though, those permanents are four, four creatures in addition to their other types. Not so crazy because then they can die. Right, but I don't care. Getting five, five CMC artifacts and enchantments back onto the battlefield and also it doesn't have what a lot of these cards normally have they don't go away at end of turn or anything that's it they're just out there yeah seven mana get five cards onto the battlefield that's crazy anytime that cards have x in them and the x can be used to define different things so in this case it's x target artifact cards that cost x or less same value for x it's these are very powerful in edh yeah and so dance of the mance i think gets up there for one of the most powerful cards in the set yes i believe so as well it's up there with the great hinge Let let me pitch you something here Jimmy, what if this was white, white, and X? Like, why does it need blue? Because blue is cool, dude. Like, what's blue adding to the equation? Blue doesn't bring back artifacts and enchantments from the graveyard. Blue doesn't make (laughs) four, four creatures. Well, I guess blue turns uh, artifacts into creatures. That's the only thing. Yeah, that's the only thing. Which is the part of the card I don't like anyway. (laughs) Yeah, again, you're right. It could be X, white, white, and be totally fine. And the blue deck could still play it if it had white white in its commander colors. So... Yeah, but anyway, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the more powerful uh, cards in the set. There, We only have one inter- interaction written down here. Codex Shredder, it's just a mill card. It puts a lot of things in your graveyard, and well, it's it, very quick, too. I think if the artifacts you're bringing back um, give you enough mana, you can sacrifice the Codex Shredder return mm-hmm. target card from your graveyard to your hand, which could be the Dance, Dance of the, the Mance, yeah. and sacrifice all of those artifacts again to like KCI or something, then bring them back, bring them back, bring them back over and over ah, again. So you can nice. get into some loops with Codex Shredder. Uh, and Dance of the Mance, which is interesting. Dance of the Mance. <laughs> Next up, Doom Foretold. Two white and a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If that player can't, they discard a card, they lose two life, and you draw a card, you gain two life, and you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. <gasps> then you sacrifice Doom Foretold. So you get this once. Uh, but that's only in the event that an opponent cannot, or a player, sorry, that counts you. They cannot, cannot sacrifice a non-land, non-token permanent. Most oftentimes, they will be able to do that. So Doom Foretold could stick around for a long time, and when it finally does leave the battlefield, you get a bunch of stuff from it. You gain life, you draw cards, they lose life, you make a white token. I think in a lot of games, this is just, there's a card called The Abyss. It's yeah. like a six or $700 card now. Old school, yeah. Yeah. I think this is The Abyss most of the time. Right. It just forces everyone to sack a non-land, non-token permanent. Yeah, I think everybody's focused on that if they can't part, Mm -hmm. which is just like 
gravy for when the the abyss isn't able to kill something yeah yeah it's the abyss i think is only creatures too i don't think it's uh permanent so this is like pretty taxing on your opponents and if you're the type of deck that doesn't mind sacrificing things has expendable stuff yeah. yeah then you can always put something out that they can sack and they're going to slowly whittle their board down i mean i think a lot of times they'll be like crap i don't want to play anything because i'm gonna have to sack it mm -hmm. you know how shieldred gets but at the same time well, what if, am I supposed to do? Not advance my board at all? Yeah, if it gets down to the person only having lands and tokens, they're in an awful spot. Because so, I'll just waste my whole turn? Yeah, that's yeah. so I think this is actually sneakily powerful. The sacrifice part on it only is going to happen when someone doesn't have anything to sacrifice. And trust you, me, there are a lot of things to sacrifice in this Yeah, in this if game. they don't have anything to sacrifice, it's mostly good. I mean, yeah. instants and sorcery-based decks, those are the ones you got to watch out for. But they even they have mana rocks. Yeah, totally. All right, the next one is Faborow Elder. One green white for a tree folk druid. It's a zero zero with vigilance, but it gets plus one plus one for each color among permanents you control. So including itself, it's a two two. <clears throat> it's always a two two at the very least. You can tap it for each color among permanents you control, add one mana of that color. So it's Bloom Tender. Yeah, and Bloom Tender is a card that is very expensive. Expensive. Yeah. Expensive. This card's sweet. I, I play Bloom Tender. I would play it in every deck with green in it, except for I only have two of them, so I have to pick yeah. and choose. I mean, this like thing 30 taps bucks. for two on itself, too, because it has two colors in there. Bloom Tender is just one in a green. This is one mana more, but again, for the effect that it gives you, if your deck can play those colors, you should definitely run this card. Think of like a three mana, like three color, sorry, mm -hmm. commander. This is a three-mana mana dork that taps for three mana. And it's a 3-3 three, three Vigilance, so it can also attack. Yeah, this card's really, really powerful. I think every green-white deck, basically, green-white plus another color deck will want this card. Yeah, I don't yeah. see why you wouldn't play it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, and it's a Tree Folk. So for those Doran decks, yeah. too, you know? Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to go on to the Artifacts. Uh, the first one is a Brawl card. It's Arcane Signet. Two mana for an artifact, you can tap it to add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So, this is a card that has been talked about quite a lot by people. Um, I there was a lot of hullabaloo about it when it got spoiled. People were, like, kind of salty about it. Yeah, because I think they were worried about the availability and the price and all that stuff and also that was going to sell out the brawl decks i think there was a lot of talk of like oh they designed a card that's just ubiquitous and is going to go in every commander deck which people some people don't like yeah i think it's powerful but i also just like signets as well so i don't think you have to run the arcane signet and everything you can also run a mindstone if you don't if you're not super taxed on mana all the time i think arcane signet is really good in five color decks yeah here's here's what i like, I think it's overrated. I think people are saying, this goes in 99% of Commander decks. I don't actually think it does. Mm -hmm. I don't think... Soaring does, but... I don't think it necessarily goes in monocolor decks. Oh, right? it definitely doesn't go you in monocolor You want Mindstone, and you want Thought Vessel, and you yeah. want any two-color rock that has another utility besides tapping for mana you want in a mono deck. Mm -hmm. Two-color decks, it's the same as a Signet, basically. It is slightly better, but, like, what are we talking? 0.01% better than a Signet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, you, I think you still would rather have Mindstone and Thought Vessel and that that kind of thing. So three color decks, yes. Now it's going to tap for all three colors of mana. It is definitely better than a Signet in those decks, though not amazingly better. It's just better. So yes, three color decks. But we're already not at 99% of all decks. We said <laughs> monocolor and two colors. You know, you're not necessarily going to use them. It's not a whole lot better, I don't think, even in three color decks than your Rampant Growths and your two man, your Farseeks and your Nature's Lore. So if you, in green three color decks, I think even then it's not as good as some other options we have uh, because I'd rather have lands in play for sure. Four and five is where you definitely want to need to play this kind of card. Right. Four and five is giving you colors. so many different colors. Yeah. But then it's Felwarstone and Felwarstone's great, but 
no one is sitting out there going like, oh my gosh, Felwar Stone is too powerful. Yeah. And goes in every deck. So I do think Arcane Signet is very good and will go in a lot of decks, but let's let's dial it down a notch on the it goes in every deck. It definitely does not go in every deck. Next up, Tome of Legends. Two mana artifact. Tome of Legends enters the battlefield with a page counter on it. Whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks, put a page counter on Tome of Legends and pay one, tap it, remove a page counter for Tome of Legends draw a card. It's card draw for white and red and all the other colors, but most importantly, white and red. This is a way for you to draw cards that fits with commander. It's pretty well costed too. Two mana. Two mana. Comes out, we should say this is in the Brawl decks. It's comes out a, with a page counter. Yep. So you automatically, it's going to replace itself and you're going to cast your commander at some point. So it's going to get another counter at some point. And then you're going to attack with your commander maybe a few times. Like this Hopefully is going to... you attack with your commander, Jeez. This feels likely to draw you cards, you know, four or five cards in the course of a game. And the, the initial investment's not very high. Yep. It's definitely better than like Mind's Eye or something. Dude, I'm stoked. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't believe this card exists. <laughs> just unbelievable. It just Wizards really stretching it out here and making, making some real fun things. They could have made that mono white, by the way. Yeah, that would, I would have been fine with that too, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... The next card is, well, I'll let you read it. Yeah, it's the Ginger Brute. It's one mana for an artifact creature, Food Golem. So I guess food can be a creature type too. It has haste. It's a 1-1, and you can pay one. Ginger Brute can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with haste. So basically unblockable. And you can pay two. Can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. Run run as fast as you can. Oh my God. I love that. Haste. You have to have haste to block it because you have to be fast enough to to block it. Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And you can pay two to tap the Sacrifice Ginger Brute and you gain three life. So he also acts as a food token. Um, this card is also very special because this week on Feast of Fiction, my cooking show, we made the Ginger Brute in real life. I'll show, maybe we'll show a little sneak peek of it here. If you want to watch that, it's either, the episode's either out today or tomorrow, depending on when this set review comes out. We're not sure how long it's going to take us to edit, but yeah, it'll be a, a right around the time your video comes out. Yep. And so. I want to say I tasted the Ginger uh, the ginger brute specifically and it was very tasty yeah and so i had haste you had haste yeah <laughs> and the ginger brute was like, dang it you caught me you can find that at youtube.com slash feast of fiction all right uh one more oh we i misplaced this this is under artifacts but it's actually a multicolored card oh really yeah sorry my bad how exciting um it is outlaws merriment it's one red white white so four mana for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep choose one at random Create a red and white creature token with these characteristics. So one of these at random. It's either a 3-1 human warrior with trample and haste, or it's a 2-1 human cleric with lifelink and haste, or it's a 1-2 human rogue with haste, and when this creature enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. Okay. So it's kind of assemble the legion. legion. Not as good because it doesn't snowball, but at the same time, it get, can give you like bigger, different stuff. Yeah, and all the creatures, two of the creatures can block a ginger brute, importantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is an interesting way of generating tokens in red-white. I don't think it's great. Uh, it's a random effect, but if you need token generation that's fodder and you don't, you know... It's, this is a good way to do it. It's cheaper than Assemble the Legion as well to cast. It's true. It's four mana. If you have Anointed Procession or those type of things, then all of a sudden, like, creating two 2-1 two, Lifelinkers or two 3-1 Trample Haste is yeah. actually decent. One-on-one, on one, this card is really powerful. I yeah, think. yeah. I, I like it. It's, yeah, probably like a cube card, too. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> Okay. Um, the last artifact I want to talk about here is Weapon Rack. It's a four mana artifact. It enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it, and you can tap it to move a plus one plus one counter from Weapon Rack onto target creature. Activate this ability only t- anytime you could cast a sorcery. Um, I particularly like this card because Marchesa is a black 
red and blue card that oh, cares right. about plus and plus encounters and there's nothing really except for unspeakable symbol that can add plus and plus encounters onto cards in that deck so this is one of those cards i think it, it just becomes an auto include even though it is a little clunky at four mana it does everything that you need it to Cool. Yeah, yeah. In Marchessa, for sure, it's hard to find. That's why I always wanted to add green to green my Marchessa, because yeah. they're good at plus one counters. All right, so we're on to lands here. There's um, a few different ones. There's one f- new fetch land, and then that common land series that we alluded to earlier. So the new fetch land is called Fabled Passage. It's a land, obviously. You tap it and sacrifice it. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Then, if you control four or more lands, untap that land. So it's sort of a conditional fetch land, only for basics, but it could be untapped. So it's like a mm-hmm. better evolving wild. Better terramorphic expansion. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a great card to create. I think it's awesome. They created the one. Was it Modern Horizons? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. So they're recently they're trying to help out. I think uh, people with their mana bases without just totally invalidating the fetch lands. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is a step in that direction. I think this is very good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I great wish for it was four players. or less lands because I think you're more likely to not have the extra mana or availability to have a land come in and play tapped on turns like two, three. And yeah, I guess it works on turn four, which is pretty good. If you did, I mean, if it was that way, this card would enter into modern and all right. the other formats immediately. That's true. They don't want they, it. To they have to make it. Be like, hey, now yeah. you got four more fetch lines in every deck that already has. Yeah, eight exactly. Fetch lines. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But I do think this is good, and it's going to go in a lot of decks, and I'm happy that they made it because uh, it's going to help out a lot of people with their mana bases. Yeah. Okay, so there are five more lands. It's a common land cycle. Each one of these has a basic land type, which is interesting. So they can be fetched for mm-hmm. uh, with the traditional fetch lands, the the cons fetches and the, what is it, Zendikar and Onslaught fetches. So the white one is Idyllic Grange. Grange. It's a planes. It taps to add white mana. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other planes. So you have to be in heavy white for this to come in untapped. When it enters the battlefield, when Idyllic Grange enters the battlefield, uh, untapped. So this only happens if it comes in untapped. You put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. That's fine. Not a not a big thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's got utility, so it's not the worst. But I wouldn't play it in a deck unless I was guaranteed going to get three planes out almost every game. And just because the upside of 1-1 counter is not worth the downside of sometimes it's tapped. Yep. Witch's Cottage says the same thing. It's the black version. It's a swamp. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more swamps. When Switch is caught, that enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Uh, Mortuary Mire already exists, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, yeah, like the fact that it says land type swamp is the most interesting part about a lot of these cards for me. Yeah, the next one is Dwarven Mine. Same thing. You need uh, taps for red. You need three or more mountains for it to be untapped. And if it does enter untapped, you create a 1-1 red dwarf creature token. Are you mad that's not a goblin? Mm, no. Dwarves are cool, too. <laughs> They're, okay. both, they're both short. Uh, yeah, again, same thing. Fine. Yeah, Gingerbread Cabin. I mean, the flavor is great. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more forests. When Gingerbread Cabin enters the battlefield untapped, create a food token. So again, pay two, sacrifice it, gain three life. Okay, so you're wondering, like, guys, why are you even talking about these cards? Because all of them so far are not that great. Except. Here's why. Because the blue one is actually maybe the most powerful land in the set. I think it's better than all the castles. And... <laughs> Fabled pass or fabled whatever is doing something Passage, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's even on the same scale. But Mystic Sanctuary is the blue one. Taps for blue. 
enters untapped and or sorry enters tapped unless you control three or more islands when it enters the battlefield untapped you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library why doesn't it just say like draw a card <clears throat> discard a card yeah or scry i guess they have scry lands already this is a common land that can put an extra turn spell back on top of your library and let's say you can draw it and cast it and you guess what you gotta do it a lot if you can bounce that land back to your hand yeah i think first of all base level Putting an incident or sorcery, like reusing an incident or sorcery is way harder to do than reusing a creature. Mm -hmm. So it's just way better than the black one. Getting back any number of instants or sorceries, even if all you do is just play this once, put the incident or sorcery back on top of your library and draw a demonic tutor or something. Yeah. How powerful is that? It's crazy. Then the fact that there are lots of cards that bounce lands back to your hand. And then you replay this card every turn and get the extra turn spell or whatever card you can draw that every turn. Yeah, if you find so a way to draw it, yeah. here's a common land that goes, quote-unquote, infinite um, with some land bounce. So just a bounce land will help you get this started. Right. But there's also stuff like... Maloku, Malo the Clouded Mirror, Trade Roots lets you bounce cards. Uh, and you also can discard cards to draw cards with Trade Roots. Uh, Suratami, there's, there's a whole bunch of Suratami cards. Minesweeper, Cloud Skater, Mirror Garden, and they all do different things. But more importantly, they all have an activated ability to return the land you control to its owner's hand. Yeah, the Sorotamis are particularly interesting because if you had Mystic Sanctuary, you played it, you had an extra turn spell in your graveyard, you mm -hmm. put it on top of your library. Presumably, you cast the extra turn spell this turn, right? You put the extra turn spell back on your library. You draw that card for your extra turn. You cast the extra turn spell, so you're going to take another one after this. Now you have, let's say, Sorotami Minesweeper out. Mm -hmm. You pay two mana return a land you control to its owner's hand. You return the Mystic Sanctuary to your hand. And then target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. So you target Jimmy with that. Wow, well, okay, yeah. fine. Now my land for turn is my Mystic Sanctuary putting the extra turn spell back on my hand or on top of my library. Mm -hmm. Now I go to my extra turn, draw the extra turn spell. Cast it. Cast it. Return the land to my hand, mill Jimmy for two, Put play the extra land. turn spell back onto my library. Play the land. So now I'm going to mill everybody out. And I'm not going to mill out myself because I'm drawing the same card every turn. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of ways to sort of go, quote unquote, infinite with Mystic Sanctuary, I think. Especially like time stretches and things that give you more than, more one, than one turn. turn yeah. Uh, a lot extra of turns are very powerful. Yeah. A lot of extra so turn spells exile themselves and that won't work. But yeah, I think this card is just going to go in basically every blue deck. You have to be able to have it come into play on tap, so it has to be island heavy, but it's very, very strong. Yeah. Pretty All good. Right. Okay. We did it. We did it. We got through it. Oh, gosh. Before we uh, fully wrap up, we're going to do our, our little award ceremony here where we talk about the most powerful card and then our favorite overall card. Yeah, let's... Oh, crap. I shouldn't have thrown these so far. Um, so we're, we separate these, right? We're going to say what we think is the most powerful card, which is just raw power, and then yes. which is our favorite, which is the one we like the most, which is not always the most powerful card. Uh, vamp for a second while I grab my thing. Uh, vamp, vamp, vamp. Da, da, da. So right now I'm looking at the list, and there are a lot of good options this time. I, I thought this set was going to have more just absurdly powerful cards overall, but I think the flavor is what the set really focused on, and I'm actually kind of glad about that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I have uh, I have I have a couple of interesting cards here. I think I think I know what I want to say. Okay. Um, well, most powerful card. Well, let's do the three, two, one thing. We'll both say it at once. Ready? Sure. Three, two, two one. Wish Dance Claw of the Mance. Talisman. Oh, Wish Claw's really good. Yeah, three That's... tutors potentially on one card is absurd. Dance of the Mance, I think. 
because it's two colors that kind of hurts it but that has a lot of potential i think to me yeah i mean x white it's just x x in the spell you can blow people out in the game with that card yeah just get back you know 12 things or whatever mm-hmm. uh great henge i think is also in the running yep favorite overall card wait wait oh crap uh vamp for another second uh so my favorite <laughs> i know yours is, oh man okay uh, <laughs> well, well, okay how about you guess mine oh geez dance of the mance again um let's see here might be hmm it's that or like the great henge or it's going to be like a Shimmer Dragon-esque effect because you do love value, Josh. <laughs> you know me too well. Those are all mm. on my possibilities list. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say yours. It's Embercleave. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> it's, it was between that or Tome of Legends because it's just red-white card draw. Yeah. But Embercleave, Embercleave, I'm putting it in my Neheb deck and I'm going to gain a billion mana off it. I can't wait. Yeah, I guess Dance of the Mance is... My favorite, I hate saying my favorite as the most powerful, but it has like so many cool interactions that aren't just like break the game. Yeah, it could be not, you know, break the game. It could also be break the game. So maybe that's why you like it. It's because it gives you options. I feel like there was another one while we were reading it that I really liked, but I can't think of what it was. None of the the crazy legendary artifacts, the really expensive ones. I mean, Great Hinge is very strong, but I'm just kind of a little bit bored by it. Like, Mm. it's like just generic. Um, It's just Zendikar Resurgent, like... Basically, it's maybe a little bit better. Oh, Arcane Signet, obviously. Yeah, Arcane Signet. That's the one. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dance of the Mance. Dance of the Mance. Also, it's got the coolest name. Yeah, it's true. It rhymes. All right, to the listeners, <laughs> what is your favorite new card from the set, or what do you think is the most popular? Are there any cool interactions that we didn't mention that you think we missed? Let us know in the comments on Twitter. You can email us however you want to get in touch. And if you want to purchase any of these cards, these singles or sealed product, and get yourself involved in the Throne of Eldraine in this wonderful, colorful world, head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And you can buy these cards, purchase them. They'll get to you very quickly. Card Kingdom, incredibly fast shipping. I love them to death because uh, I'll order a card today and it'll get here tomorrow. I'm not even kidding. If you order early enough in the day, sometimes they will ship it out that fast. And they have great customer service, and we've only heard positive things from the people that have shopped with them. In our comments. Yeah, Card Kingdom is sweet. Another company that sponsors us is very, very awesome as well as Ultra Pro. Yes. If you're buying Eldraine stuff right now, then you should get the Throne of Eldraine. They've got like Oko sleeves, oh, yeah. Garrick sleeves, deck boxes, playmats. They've got that Seb McKinnon art on playmats. They've Ultra Pro just always, because they get the licenses for all the magic stuff, they mm-hmm. just always get to come out with the coolest stuff. So definitely check out Ultra Pro products uh, and you definitely want to spice up your battlefield with all of their stuff. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Well, I guess I'll just throw it back to my cooking show, Feast of Fiction. Yep. We made the ginger brew today. It was the first time we've made something from Magic the Gathering. The whole show's premise is we make food from fictional universes. I've been doing it for eight years now, since 2011. Uh, and if you like anime, video games, TV shows, cartoons, and there's a food in there that you've like always thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to eat that in real life? We've probably done it. So you can check it out, youtube.com slash Feast of Fiction. But if you're just a Magic fan, you want to see the ginger brew episode. We also just upgraded to a new set here in the Command Zone house. Very exciting. All of our production quality is going up. Josh inspired me, obviously, to uh, to up my game. He's, and Yeah, yeah. He, he's flattering me. He already had like a million subs on that, <laughs> on that other channel. So. We also have a Patreon, too. So, yeah, it's very similar enterprises here. But we're cooking food. So if you enjoy cooking and want to learn easy recipes and stuff, all of that is at Feast of Fiction. And if you enjoy the modern format, you should check out our ah. sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. They're going to be talking about a lot of stuff every time a new set comes out because you want to know 
which one or two or three or four of these cards is going to make a splash in modern. Well, those guys are going to tell you. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.Company. Our editors for the show are Ashlyn Rose and Craig Blanchett. Special thanks to them for putting in the work. This is a big episode. This is the big episode and all the mini episodes we did as well for the Brawl decks. Make sure you check those out if you want to upgrade the Brawl precons to EDH decks. And of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the living card animations that live behind us on set and as well as start and end every show at youtube.com slash the command. So podcast, you can find Jeffrey on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Thanks for Uh, watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>